This is Anthony Manfredi. Hi, this is Opal Alipat. And this is the Performance Management TechCast podcast. Happy New Year, Opal. Happy New Year, Anthony. Yeah, it's great to hear you again. I hope you had a great vacation. Yeah, yeah you too. We want to try something uh, new uh, with this podcast. Figured since it was the beginning of the year that we would take a look back at Oracle EPM throughout 2020. Try to look at what we liked about it as far as the releases or new features or enhancements. And then uh, try to take a look at what we would really like to see for uh, FY21 and get started with that. Any any comments? You, you good with that, Opal? I would just like to say that I'm really excited about some of the enhancements and improvements and features in 2020. We have a very, very long list, which we're not going to possibly cover in this podcast episode, but uh, we will do our best to do the highlights that are personal to us, as well as cover some other notable detailed product features. I know you're a big fan of the Redwood theme, right? The Redwood theme. I, actually, I am. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. <laughs> It didn't make get my started. top three, just, just <laughs> to be clear. It didn't make my top three, but I am a fan of Redwood. Cool. All right, let's get started. What do you got? What do you got first? All right. So for those of you who know me, you know that I'm an extremely detail-oriented person. So in preparation for this podcast episode, what I actually did was review all of the documentation on the new features uh, that occurred in 2020. And it took me a couple of hours to do it and just took notes along the way. So I have digested all of that information and I came up with the top three that are personal to me that I think are more kind of esoteric, 10,000 foot level things that I noticed about Oracle EPM Cloud in 2020. But there is a whole list of probably dozens of other product specific detailed features that we'll kind of comment on later. Yeah, and, and don't be upset if we miss your personal favorite, because like Opal said, there was quite a bit and we couldn't get to all of them. But uh, I'm excited to hear what your, uh, what's your top one. I would say my top one personally, because I am a trainer by nature, I obviously love to share information, is the increase in the amount of free training available. And for those of you who may not be partners, but our customers, let me just kind of explain some of the high level bullet points here. There was a massive effort that occurred with partner training. The EPM product team really came together. They did product training that took weeks with an S. They went into just about every single EPM cloud product. They talked about the highlights, the roadmaps, recent and new features. We were given environment pods so that we could actually do workshops and they archived all of the information uh, so that we could go back to that training as we needed to. So that was really just a monumental effort. They didn't even do it with just North America, which is where Anthony and I are located, but they even did it for EMEA and APAC and other groups as well. So it must have taken them months and months to put that together and then months and months to execute. So really an amazing job and kudos to them for all of that effort. But that was a huge thing that happened in this year of COVID where we couldn't get together like we normally do for partner training, which is where I normally Lisa Anthony. So it was a really great way to handle partner training virtually. I would agree. The great thing about that training was, was the workshops. Yes. So not only did we get expert advice from, from Oracle and people who actually implement the tools as well, but the workshops were very helpful to learning new features and they, you needed to have some sort of ramp up already. So they weren't geared towards just your average consultant. They were really geared toward people who had some sort of knowledge in the product already. This way you can go hands-in and really learn some new stuff. So 
I found that some of them were difficult to attend live, but as far as the remote training, as far as being able to review the material offline, they gave you environments if you needed them as well. It was very valuable training. Yes, I completely agree. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, obviously COVID is not going to end anytime soon, but at least we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccinations being released. If we did this again in 2021 and did a virtual training, I would be very happy because it was just really done very well. So that was one of the components of this. Another one, there was this cloud operations guide which is more of a self-troubleshooting guide for customers. They first released it you know, earlier in the year and I, I kind of thought, oh, that's a good idea and didn't really look at it. And then as I was going back through all of these features that were released in 2020, I actually went to the website. We have a link to it, by the way, in the description. And I was shocked at how much really valuable information is in there. And a lot of it is actually bolstered by the activity report that you can find in you know, like planning and FCC. But there's a lot of really great information in there uh, that is really meta. It tells you a lot about your system, you know, slow running calcs, things like that. But they've done a lot to improve the activity report and added many enhancements to it, as well as the amount of information in that cloud operations guide. So you kind of understand your own system as a customer and troubleshoot things on your own. It was really well done. And I wish I had spent the time to go through that earlier in the year to really understand what's there. And I, I probably will write a blog post on it because I was so impressed with that. So I thought that was really good as far as, you know, somewhat informal training. And then another thing uh, that I got this note from my friend Wayne at NRL, who's also an Orpolis director, but in December, so just last month, in December of 2020, there was an email that went out and I don't know if it was just partners, but for free training and accreditation that is now available for narrative reporting, planning, FCC, and PCM. So there is a website, the link will be available in the description as well, where you can actually get just, I think anyone can go and just take some basic training on some of these EPM cloud products really does give you a good impression of what these tools are capable of from a business standpoint and what they can do technically. And again, it's just another step forward for free training that's available out there that you know Oracle really took the time to invest their money and efforts into creating this and making it available to the world. So that was amazing. And then the final piece that I noticed when I was going through all the documentation is if you look at the number of EPM Cloud product videos that mm, were released, yeah. Even in some of like the, the low months where they didn't have any enhancements, they were still releasing videos about their different products. And I don't necessarily watch all of the videos, but if there's something, you know, like a product feature that's brand new that I'd like to know more about, I actually do look at these videos and they might only give you like a three minute bite, but I find them to be very helpful in directing me to the right place to look or go to um, for any of the new features. So all of that together, all of those points, it really is amazing. Uh, how much effort and investment they've put into just free training to partners and customers. Yeah. I mean, I find that the training, those, those training videos are amazing. Not that you're going to become a master after you've watched that video, right. but you'll be like, Oh, I didn't know what that feature was or how I could possibly use that. And then you can take it and apply it, that basic knowledge and apply it to a real, real use situation. So I, I agree. Those videos are awesome. I have not seen them all either, but the, the key thing there is that they're very, very quick. And because they're on YouTube, I find that it does come up in like a Google search. Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, 
having them on YouTube is the right media for that, not buried underneath the support for Oracle. It's it's definitely the right media for the, setting those up. Any other any other top ones you want to cover? So that one was my top. The other two that I had for my total top three was additional releases of patches, the PSUs for on-prem EPM 11.2. So in case you don't know the history behind the on-prem EPM 11.2 series, that's the next iteration after the 11.1.2 X series. And the first initial drop of this was actually in December of 2019. It was 11.2.0. There were a lot of problems with it though. And so a lot of us, you know, partners that needed this software to install correctly for customers that were looking to upgrade we're eagerly awaiting 11.1.2.1, which was then released in April of 2020, which fixed a number of the installation issues and made it a more stable product. So then 11.2.2 was released in June, and then 11.2.3 is the latest release released in October. I think there's been a lot of good updates and PSUs to EPM 11.2 to make that a more viable and stable release for customers wanting to stay on-prem. That's key. Yeah. Number three, the clear direction of EPM to increase their investment in analytics. They did it multiple ways. Dashboards 2.0. I know that our friend Pete mentioned that on a previous podcast episode, but that was a huge leap forward in visualization capabilities on the EPM side. So Dashboards 2.0, by the way, is available to planning cloud, um, financial consolidation and close and tax reporting. And it's available there right now, right alongside Dashboards 1.0. You guys should definitely take a look at that. But also they released the direct connect between Oracle Analytics Cloud and EPM Cloud. So you no longer have to go through the RPD on the Oracle Analytics side in order to direct connect a planning application or FCC application. There's now a direct connect in data visualization cloud that will allow you to directly connect to planning. And it obviously needs some work. I just did a tech cast on this for one of the user communities. It's a different kind of thing for people who are used to OLAP and multidimensionality, but it's a step up for sure. So the increased investment in analytics, I thought was my third top big thing that happened in 2020 for Oracle EPM Cloud. Yeah, that Dashboards 2.0 thing is a hopefully a leap in the right direction for the new technology for the EPM uh, frameworks and dashboards. Uh, I think it'll be great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny because I do a lot of demos for Interrail. I definitely talk with passion about Dashboards 2.0 and customers just love to see it. From a planning space, I didn't get to play with a lot of the new features that I wanted to play with uh, as much, but I did get to play with EDMCS a lot. So we had our new version of EDMCS and I was a casual DRM user and implementer, Mm -hmm. but uh, I became a huge fan of EDMCS this year because I think that this was the year that it it actually became like a real product. And uh, there are just a slew of new features and enhancements that took it from you know, a, a nice little tool to a real enterprise solution. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it has a shopping cart approach to managing metadata. So you don't have to look at metadata as, oh, I'm getting a file and I need to upload this and grab all these changes and all these different places and, and, do, it, and do it in one place and upload all these files. You could actually have your users go online make changes or request changes to the, to the hierarchy or the structure where they're permitted, submit those changes and have them approved and go through a real nice workflow. They can see what the change looks like. You can approve the change, not approve the change, back it out. 
so many great things that, that you could actually do a distributed workflow for EDMCS. They've really extended the capabilities this last month in December with some powerful REST API features. Mm -hmm. I just did a blog about one of them where you can actually create an, atta an attachment dynamically, ability to create exports, dynamic exports with certain properties and uh, have filtering that you would want to do on an export, something that was part of DRM, but was not available in EDMCS. And something that was so basic, like something called the lock property, where you could only make changes on a new member. But once the, the change was committed, like you, you couldn't make changes to it. So you can't really rename a member. You used to be able to rename members. Mm -hmm. So this lock property allows you to only change the a member name when it's actually being changed or created as a new one. So it's great. I think that this was a big year for DMCS. It can be a real powerful tool. And I really see it as a considerable DRM replacement. It's definitely something that people need to take a look at. Yeah, I was, I mentioned earlier to you, but when I was going through all of the 2020 updates, it was very clear to me that EDM had an amazing year. There were dozens of enhancements and updates in May, August, and December, which, you know, in total, I don't know if that's more enhancements than some of the other products like FCC and planning, but it is huge from the standpoint of the product itself and the history that it's gone through. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a game changer. Another major area that I kind of wanted to focus on, I don't think that people get, it doesn't get a lot of love and there was a lot of enhancements to it this year, was data management. <laughs> data management got a lot of new enhancements this year. Cleanup and removal of it, being able to do different types of load techniques, the metadata loading got better. There is a lot of nice new features in it and they're always constantly putting enhancements in, in, into it. It's a core component and people forget about it a lot because it's just always, it's just there. But they've really been trying to enhance it a lot this year. Drillback's better. One of the things that, you know, drill, I think it's been around, it was before, but I, we didn't actually use it till drill back to parents. Have you done that? Mm -mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. So there's a lot of great new things in there. And also you can drill back to different pages within the tool. I think it's, they did a lot of new enhancements with it this year too. Oh, good. Yeah. I know that Matt was really excited when our first podcast about the planning auto predict. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I haven't really had a chance to play with it other than the beta that we got to play with. But like I said, my client was working in an older version, but I definitely something that I want to use. And I see that as a, a way of uh, being a game changer to be able to pre-populate our budgets, a lot of budgets and forecasts for clients uh, to try to implement it, try to make it a faster process as far as, uh, especially yeah. with a distributed budget. Mm -hmm. and, and can you just, in case someone has not heard of this feature, can you just explain a little bit more about what this does compared to what we've seen with, you know, planning prediction in the past? Yeah. So that's a great point. Anybody who might not know about it, it basically would allow you as an administrator to uh, run these predictions and pre-populate information in batch. So previously, all of the interactions had to be done interactively via a user. Mm -hmm. So now what you can do is actually, does, after you load your data, you wanna pre-populate your forecast, you can use your actual, you can run a batch or a job that would run, that would actually run your auto-predict information to populate a scenario with the information for your forecast from that, which is a big change from having the user have to actually run those because it would just be another tool that they would need to know how to use, make sure that the information was right, so now what they have to do, you can set it up so that they just compare variances. It's a great start to, um, to 
be able to use this technology and be able to actually help with the forecasting. Yeah, no, I, I love the fact that you can batch this and that you're not required to like be working with it in a form, it can actually work outside of the form and then be available to you in that comparison scenario. Yeah. And then another thing from uh, FCCS standpoint is the performance sub variables, being able to use uh, FCCS and be able to configure, make sure it's getting better as a product from performance standpoint. FCCS, I think, other thing I've heard, I've worked with a few people working on implementations this year. Performance is getting much better. They've implemented substitution variables that actually will, you can actually tweak some of the performance settings to do, to do aggregations differently, refresh databases differently, how it calculates year-to-date members. As the year progressed, some of those settings became the default. So in that way that you can tell that those are definitely working uh, as, as advertised to make the performance better overall. So I really think that they're, they're looking at performance improvements. Another key thing there is year-to-date loading um, and then calculating of the periodic information in FCCS. I think that that's just been getting better and they had a better optimization forward towards the end of the year. So really cool stuff. And I think that it's been getting better every uh, release. It's probably been getting much better from a performance standpoint. And I just have one big thing, another thing that uh, got changed. And this functionality really enabled you to write BSO or procedural type calculations within Groovy directly against ASO. As we see planning expanding, a lot of implementers are trying to take advantage of ASO and use that as their main calculation engine. Much more dimensions and you know more members in those dimensions and be able to extend it out. And this allows you to create more procedural type calculations that typically would only work in BSO inside of the ASO module. So you can write those calculations and be able to apply those like allocations and spread and, and doing those things and currency translations a lot easier within the Groovy module and be able to write and build those types of models out. It's a very interesting concept, how you can kind of mix all of this stuff together and, and the functionality and what we traditionally consider, you know, what this cube is for versus what this cube is for. It's very interesting, kind of this blended world that we're living in. I mean, we really didn't talk about hybrid mode, but it was really blending the lines between what an ASO cube can do, a BSO cube can do. Should I just use hybrid? Should I use that in ASO? you really have to sit back and think and say, what am I using this for and why? Because if you're really good in Groovy, you could do pretty much anything anywhere. I find Groovy to be very challenging to learn, to be perfectly honest, but the cases for Groovy are undeniable at this point. Really is becoming a go-to coding skill set. If you really want to get the most out of you know, EPM Cloud, you're just going to have to learn it. Yeah, I would agree. And it looks like REST is going that way too, from an automation standpoint to be able to send calls to other web services and to understand the way that these services actually communicate with each other. I think that that's becoming a really hot topic as well. Mm-hmm. So how about we transition into, let's talk about some other notable things that maybe didn't make our top list that happened in Oracle EPM in 2020. And I'll be honest, I have a list that's probably about 50 things long, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but um, some very notable things. Again, I kind of live at the esoteric level, so I'll start there and then I'll go more into details. I thought what was very interesting that I noticed in November, um, but I think it was originally released in September, was very transparent communication from Oracle regarding the EPM product stack and future direction of some of these products, which means that they're being deprecated. If you go into my Oracle support, it's document ID 14694211.1. 
If you go there, you will find over a dozen links that include statements of direction on what's happening to like EIS and FR and, you know, S-Space and all sorts of products within the EPM and S-Space stacks. They have the right to change any of those statements of direction at any point in time, so safe harbor, but it is very clear cut guidance on what's happening to many of the products in Oracle EPM. So that was one of the things I'm just going to kind of lightning fast, go through some other things. So we were talking about the interfaces earlier. Sky Blue was released in April, which I, I still love Sky Blue. It's one of my favorites, as well as the Redwood theme in November. And Redwood is very different, very modern looking, by the way, if you haven't checked it out. In addition, there was a big push for standardization across all of Oracle EPM cloud. So kind of going to a common URL syntax for the entire enterprise suite and not necessarily having the word planning, you know, directly in the URL, but the word EPM instead. And then in addition, uh, narrative reporting, which is my sweet spot, uh, never really used EPM automate and they're starting to move functions uh, for narrative reporting under EPM automate. And I do expect at some point in time that you will be able to batch uh, narrative reporting through EPM automate in the future. So just yeah. that standardization that is happening to make it all look and feel, you know, like one big product suite where you can expect that consistency, like no matter which McDonald's you go to in the world, you can expect the Big Mac to be pretty much the same. I do like that approach of making it all the same. Yes. Um, and because it, you, you don't want to rewrite automation all the time and uh, in different it, languages make, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. You don't want yeah. to have to do that. So now let me kind of uh, do a lightning round of, and I even had these by month, by the way, of some yes. of the call outs in case you missed them, because there are so much that happened in 2020. And this is definitely not a comprehensive list. This might be maybe 5% of the entire list of enhancements and new features. Starting with February, if you didn't know January is a down month, there's a moratorium on the code, so you really won't see any new features. So February 2020, in planning, the uh, financials module added support for 53-week calendars, and all modules supported 13-period calendars. And then let me just pick out some of these. Uh, March, FCC, writing back journals to Oracle Financials Cloud. Strategic modeling, allowing support for model-to-model -model data maps. In April, freeform planning finally got a facelift where it no longer required an S-space outline to create a freeform planning cube. You could actually uh, go through a little wizard there. June, workforce rules and forms, allowing support for different planning years for both plan and forecast. Huge. And that was a huge change that we have yeah. been asking for for so long. It was really big. Yeah, I know that was a big thing. Also in June, planning allows a new audit category to track changes being made to substitution variables and user variables. I thought that was pretty neat. SmartView had a version change in July. They released the brand new iteration of version, which is 20.100 and 20.200 was actually just released. So that's the latest version. And then the EPM integration agent allowed for write back to the source systems in also July. July was a big month. Uh, narrative reporting added bursting capabilities, which is similar to FR. It's a parody release there. And there's also a big release for disclosure management, which it doesn't get a lot of love and attention in narrative reporting, but it allowed for auto tagging. In addition, I thought this was interesting. Maybe you have more information on this, but you could, within planning, have the option to enable strategic modeling when you go to create a brand new application with your custom application. I actually did notice that change when I went to go create new planning applications that now there's just a little checkbox where you can also enable strategic modeling. 
Oracle made strategic modeling free for customers that have any version of planning cloud because of COVID. They started that in April and um, all planning customers on EPM cloud can have strategic modeling for free through, I think, April of 2021. Also in July, the last one I have for July, the auditing capability within planning will now retain records for up to 365 days. So for an entire year that is not a leap year, it will retain those records, which I think is pretty cool to go back. In August, we have uh, EDM supporting hybrid mode, which is great. So it adds the solve order in for hybrid applications. And then in August is when the EPM automate support for narrative reporting came into line. And there's a number of commands that are supported. Uh, it looks like about two dozen. Another cool thing that happened to narrative reporting in August is that uh, this is a feature that is above and beyond what FR can do. But management reporting, which is going to be the replacement tool for FR, supports user variables, not just substitution variables, but also user variables, which is very interesting and compelling. And narrative reporting allowed full integration between Excel and management reporting. So you can export any management report into Excel as an ad hoc query or as you know a, a display-only report, but there's now full integration between Excel and MR, which closes that parity gap. In August and planning, uh, auto prediction was added. In addition, strategic modeling finally supported custom sparse dimensions. You could also use Groovy to retrieve substitution variables at the plan type and application level and update the variable values, which I know a lot of customers were asking for. In September, Internet Explorer, rest in peace, no longer supported in EPM Cloud. Oracle asked customers to move to Edge. Dashboards 2.0 was released. In addition, in planning, you could use the planning admin extension in SmartView to build a freeform planning app. So that's another way that you can now build a freeform planning app in September. And then in October, rest in peace, Adobe Flash support was fully deprecated in Calculation Manager, as well as the Oracle EPM mobile app, which I think nobody used. Uh, that was no, I, I never, I never used it ever. I tried, like I really tried <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> to use it and just found it to be underwhelming, which is obviously why people weren't using it and they deprecated it. But yeah, let's see in November. So we're coming to the end of the year. Integration between EPM planning projects and Oracle Fusion Cloud project management. Uh, some customers, I know at least one of ours was asking for that integration a few months ago. And then December had another big month of updates. The link will be provided in our description but there are sample applications for EPM modules, sales planning, and strategic workforce planning. They're hidden in a cloud customer connect post. So you'll have to have a login to get in. I think they're dated November. So as of November features, as you guys may or may not know with your planning cloud, there is a sample app that exists already in there, but it's only custom planning. So now you can also get sample apps for modules, sales planning, and strategic workforce planning. When uh, designing your forms and planning FCC or tax reporting, you can now on your forms design them to pick members based on a common attribute. And in December, they added in a procedure that gives you a cleaner data management removal and you can do it by itself directly from uh, data management or it happens automatically as a process as part of removing the app. There was a lot of stuff that happened in 2020, and I promise this is probably not even 5% of all the updates, but these are the ones that I thought were kind of notable in case there are people out there who don't necessarily read all the monthly updates, but some of the stuff that you may have missed, especially on the planning side. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely do read the updates. Those those are great. But this yeah, was a great summary. Read the updates, but you know, <laughs> we understand that life gets in the way, work gets in the way, COVID happens, you know, stuff happens. So we get it. Oh, and one more thing that I completely forgot um, because I, I live so much in the EPM cloud world that I sometimes forget about the products that were removed is S-Base 21C finally ah. dropped in December 2020, <laughs> which provides the next iteration of S-Base on-prem. So for those of you who may have not kept up with the S-Base saga, S-Base went to OEC S-Base in 2017. And then they promised a 19C, which would be S-Base on OCI. So not exactly the same type of autonomous um, delivery as OEC S-Base eventually became. And then they promised a 21C. Originally it was 20C, but then it became a 21C, which would provide S-Base for on-prem customers. That dropped in December. Um, so that is now available. It's only available though for Linux, but it will eventually become available for Windows. Um, but that's a big release that I forgot about. Yeah, that's a pretty exciting new, there's some new stuff in there too, as far for our S-based users. So uh, definitely something to look into. Yes, for sure. So is there anything that we missed on your list? I know that you kind of had a different approach, but was there anything else that you wanted to mention that was notable? No, I think I think you covered most of the the, the topics that I would probably work with on a day-to-day -day basis that I think are really, really important to run. The one thing I did see was there was a lot more people using Customer Connect yes. this year. So I think it's a great forum. Um, if you're a partner, take advantage of it. If you're a client, definitely take advantage of it. Be able just to you know make comments or, or try to ask for new features. Definitely try to use it. So I, I think people are starting to use it even more now than they did last year. So it's definitely something that's taken up. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, there's a lot. There really is a lot from a technology standpoint and an Oracle EPM standpoint that happened in 2020. And it's, I've never done like a year end wrap up like this before. I've never really spent the time and effort on it. And when I look at the amount of updates and there's so many products, first of all, um, in the suite uh, to really, you know, give you the full breadth and depth of an EPM solution. But there's a lot of potential for there to be a number of enhancements and improvements. And there really was a lot in 2020. Um, it's really amazing when you kind of take a step back and look at what was accomplished. Thank you for listening to our year-end review. Stay tuned for part two of this special New Year's episode. In part two, we'll be talking about what we hope to see in Oracle EPM in 2021. Thank you for listening. The statements in this show represent the views of the participants, and the hosts, and not necessarily the views of any organizations they may be affiliated with. You can reach us on Twitter, Anthony at The Manfredi, and Opal at Woman in EPM, with the hashtag PMTechCast. Please remember to subscribe to get the latest from the Performance Management TechCast.